On today's episode, you're going to hear from Paul McGrattan, a traditional Irish musician who is coordinating an exciting course for musicians in Dublin. I'm your host, Sylvia Morn, and you're listening to the Music Secrets Exposed podcast. Today on the podcast, I have a very interesting guy. His name is Paul McGrattan. He is the course coordinator of a music course that's in the Ballyfermot College of Further Education. Now, it's a very unique course, and I'm delighted to have discovered it through an RTE uh, interview, which he did in the recent weeks there in RTE. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you very much, Sylvia. Lovely to be here chatting to you. Now, rather than me introduce you and everything that you've done, because you've a lot done in your life with traditional Irish music as your focus, and then now being the course coordinator in this college, firstly, can you just give us a little bit of your background, of your experience, and then tell us about this amazing course that's happening in Ballyfermot that opens up new opportunities for musicians? Sure. Um, um, well, firstly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a flute player. Um, I'm from Dublin. Um, I'm from the parish of Navan Road, which is it's a hotbed of flute playing. Most people associate traditional music with rural areas, but it's actually very strong in Dublin as well. Um, I was very fortunate as well in that my uncle-in-law, the man from uh, East Galway, Paddy Tracy's name, an absolutely wonderful flute player uh, from, from Kilconnell in East Galway. Um, Paddy, Paddy actually won the first two ever All-Ireland Flas. And so oh. he started he started me off on the flute at a very young age. And mm-hmm. um, although I'd have to say that my, my first introduction to music was, was in primary school, um, the local teacher, Mr. Hartigan. So then I was I was blessed. I started in school at a very young age, went on to the flute through Paddy Tracy. And then my, my neighbours um, around the corner, literally around the corner, was Sean Potts, who was playing with the Chieftains at the time. Um, there was an older man then, John Egan, a fantastic musician and flute player from Sligo. Um, there was another man, Paddy Bonner or Brain. These are all names extremely well known in Irish traditional music, in particular flute playing. And then Paddy Bonner, two sons, Fiacla, Reston, and Sean, two wonderful flute players. Um, and Desi O'Connor, a wonderful flute and whistle player. Again, another neighbour. And Desi's son, Brian, great, great, great player. So I was, there was an older generation of flute and whistle players. And then there was a younger generation of flute and whistle players and, and, and pipers. And there was great harpers, harpers besides Norin O'Donoghue. Um, so I was just, it was, it was the environment, it was, it was my, my, my family, um, my mother had a keen passion for Irish traditional music, so that's where it came from, and then I, I just, you know, I was bitten by the bug under the mentorship of all the wonderful people I, I, I mentioned from very early age. It sounds like that there was like, you were in a generation where you were receiving a lot of the old Irish cultural roots of music, and they were being passed down to your generation, you were around all those people. Yeah, there was. It's it's a very important thing. I I, I um, a very important part of tradition and Irish traditional music in, in that we weren't we weren't given music lessons. We were we were we were given access to the tradition. So, what would, what would happen is that either either Paddy Tracy or, or Sean Potts or John Egan, they they'd they'd meet us and they 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 teach us a tune, and and they might show you some more notation. And then you'd go away and you'd develop that and you'd come back to them the following week and you'd play it and, and you know, they, they, they'd critique it. But it wasn't even that. 
there was a whole social element and, and you learned the social norms of, of the traditional music community. You were, you were brought to events um, you were brought to various concerts or maybe sessions and you, you learned how to interact and, you know, and you knew your place. If you, if you were sitting there as a kid and you were trying to play and you're out of tune, there'd be a gentle tap on, 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 the, on, on the foot. And if you didn't cop on, <laughs> there'd be a stronger one. But, uh, and so like you learned. So like it was, it was, it was a whole mentorship that went on. And, and so you, like you, you learned the tradition. What I'm hearing from you is that the you were trained orally a lot, not so much yeah. with rules and regulations as in the classical world. It was very free and oral. And you, when you say you went away and developed your own tunes, does that mean that you learned how to manage your instrument yourself and you improvised and you just got your way around your instrument by watching and listening? Yeah, within the very strict confines of the tradition. <laughs> if like there, there, there are certain norms that you wouldn't break and that's all part of the mentorship as well. Like that you, you wouldn't be expected to play the tune exactly as you have been taught it. But if you if you strayed too far off the path, you were hauled in fairly, fairly quickly. And even even the even how the classes were structured. Um Paddy, um, Paddy Bonnerbrain, John Egan, and Sean Potts on a Friday night used to go to the local GA club, which was a rundown hut. And at the at the time, they've now a fine clubhouse. Um and they just invited local kids. John Egan turned up on my mother's doorstep. He'd heard, he'd heard me. Um, I started off on a silver flute. He'd heard, me, he'd heard me play a silver flute in the local church. And he turned up my mother's doorstep and said, look, send them down to me. And yeah. so, and so like on a Friday night, we used to go. And then we, we, we were upgraded to the newly built parish centre. And the, the, the fee for the class was, was 50p each, which was given to the local priest for the, the cost of electricity for the new centre. And like, mm-hmm. so like, you had, you had Sean Potts who was playing with the Chieftains, who, you know, like touring and, and being, appearing on television and radio the whole time, giving up his Friday night to pass on the tradition. And, you know, and, and basically for, yeah. That's for, the real musician, isn't it? The re- just oh, giving absolutely. back to the community. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then I would see that the respect that Sean would hold John Egan in, who was, who was older than Sean. And, Sean would, you know, like would hold him in huge respect. And just you learned so much about the interaction between musicians and 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 what was important in the tradition and and in music. So it was it was a really really interesting education in music. It sounds like there's loads of stories. It sounds like a bag full of stories just waiting to be put into some form of a book or something. Yeah, well, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, like I've I've lovely memories of. So it went from there, and then. I, end, I, I went playing music professionally for, first as a soloist. I, I, did, I did a solo album with Clatter Records when I was, when I was quite young and, and the whole Garth the Broom thing and the, the whole, you know, uh, was great. I, I did a number of records with Clatter Records. Um, I did a lot of touring and, and uh, playing music with Brown Von Agugluch, um, a wonderful accordion and singer from, from, from West Kerry, from a um, family who are legends in, in Irish traditional music. And we had a group together called Beganish and we toured. We did a lot of touring together for a number of years. And then little by little, I, I found myself kind of moving back. I suppose my, my first child was born and the, the wonders of the road were, were losing their appeal. And I started working at Valley Fairman College on a couple of hours a week. And I ended up there teaching full time. And then I ended up coordinating the course. And um, I look back on it as, as probably one of the, the greatest things that has happened in, in terms of music. I've... It's given me the opportunity to help an awful lot of musicians over the years, and I'm there over 20 years now. 
yeah, just before we leave about your personal history with music, what I really think is amazing about traditional Irish music is how quickly children, if we just look at children or teens or whatever, how quickly they get together to play, even if they're only getting yeah. going. There's there's yeah. in a group format and it's probably yeah. one of those forms of music. And I'm sure in every country they have their own form of tradition. But in the Irish Celtic form anyway, it's fantastic for community connection, particularly if they're yeah. not into other sporting activities or, you know, things like this. Do you know what, like, you, 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 you've made a good point there. Yes, and it's really important. And it, it, there's a great social outlet and, and you, you develop friends for life. Um, there's one thing I, I think that's after happening in our, and like the whole sporting analogy is very true because in, in, in some ways, there was, there was a period of 16, I taught, I taught at school Sarah Woody Clancy for, for many years. I started teaching there when I was 16 years of age. So and I, I taught there probably for, you know, another 16 years. And then I took a break for about 10 or 15 years. I was away playing music. And when I came back, the biggest difference I noticed was that there seemed, the mentorship seemed to have gone out of it. That whereas before, when I, when I would have been there as a kid with Sean Potts or any of the people I mentioned, you'd be invited to play in a session. There was, but in the session, there was the, the, the older players, the senior players, and there was a few kids sitting around and the kids knew their place and, and they would be encouraged and, you, and you'd be asked to play a tune and people would join in with you. And that seemed to have gone, that filter seemed to have gone. And it was either, it, it, it was either sessions that were all kids playing or all young teenagers playing all together with, with none of the older musicians playing with them. So like they, I'm, I'm just visualizing that picture of the children with the older players that are like they're yeah. almost yeah. and that special memory as they grow into adulthood. Yeah. Oh, I played with the famous so-and-so. Absolutely. And uh, no, honestly, what uh, like, you learn. Yeah, you're, you're, you're talking about meeting so, some, some people who are just, you know, absolutely legendary musicians and like so, to, some of the most influential musicians in tradition and, and just having these beautiful memories of, of, of meeting these wonderful people. What's beautiful about Irish life in that cultural context is the richness of giving back. Yeah. They don't want any return. I, they just want to share it out of the love of it. I, and I, I think that there, there seems to have been some kind of a, a, a split. Maybe, maybe it's that the music has become so popular that there are so many young teens playing it that, that, that that's what's happening. And so like they're all developing their own social norms and... and, and they're, they're all doing their own thing. And like, there are some absolutely wonderful musicians coming out of it. But I mean, that is a social thing that I've noticed in the music, that there's less of an inter intergenerational thing. Yes. And do you think that's going to potentially damage the handing down of music to younger generations? And also, as a second point to that, we know that Irish music has a lot of competitive aspects to it. Do you think competition has created an elitist problem? I don't think it's created an elitist problem. Um, but like, to be honest, since I was a teenager, I haven't been involved in competition, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be qualified to, to, to speak about it. Um, my own personal thing is, is that I enjoyed them and like I had, I had mixed results, good, bad and indifferent. Um, and they never affected me too much either way you know like you'd, you'd been proud of your good days and, and disappointed for a few hours on, on the bad one but I mean it was never it never had a, had a lasting thing I, I don't I don't think it's it's competition maybe when you mentioned sport it rang a bell because I kind of felt that in some in some ways 
these bunches of, of younger musicians were, were nearly like a team. They were going around in like, there could, there could be 15 or 20 of them going together and it was like a, a traveling team. And, um, but I mean, then again, you're, you're looking at young people having great fun, playing, playing great music a lot of them. You know? Well, it's it's like this. I think yeah. it's it takes away so many of the mental health aspects to life when you're involved in that kind of a pastime or it may be yeah. your main thing. It, it sorts out so many like, you know, cultural connection issues, mental health issues. You know, it, it's a, it brings a social balance into life yeah. in a sense. And, and, and you're developing friends for life. That's so important. Yeah, yeah so important. it really is. Yeah. And, and, and to keep. Yeah, and, and and to keep to keep teenagers playing, like to have that whole social support around. So I mean, yeah, I you know, um, I, I I I don't really see if 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 people treat competition as for what it is, you know, and it, like yeah. it's, it's only they don't take it too serious. Persons. In other words, yeah, exactly, don't take it too yeah. serious. Yeah, that's the way yeah. to do it. Just to revert back though, you're saying that yeah. there's like the mentorship has been removed somehow. It's just that's what has happened. Do you think that there's going to be a problem with, in your lifespan, you've seen the transition or the transfer of knowledge from your mentors down to yourself and potentially from you to younger people, for example. Do you think yeah. that there's a break happening there? Is that causing an issue? John, what, 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 I'm only going on, on something like Skull Sarah Willie Clancy, where I, I know, like I'm now hitting the, hitting the category, I know that the older musicians actively seek quieter places well you know where, where, where they can sit down and play because it's too it's too much for them just that the whole the whole traveling team is, is is too much for them they they want the the, the quieter place having said that i mean there'll, there'll always be like when, when when younger musicians develop and mature they'll seek out the older musicians they always will you know i mean like we have now we, we now have this absolutely wonderful resource the irish traditional music archives and like, and they, they really played a blinder during COVID. Like there, there's so much stuff became available online. It was nearly difficult to keep up with the content that was coming out. So, and like that's being accessed and is freely available to the whole generation of younger musicians. Oh, and that's fantastic. That's fantastic. No, it's, it's great. And I, I can see it in, in the quality of some of the recordings from, from some exceptional musicians that are, that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there's Cormac Begley, there's Jack Talty, Jesse, Jesse Smith. There's, there's any, any amount of them. Like, I mean, if I start, I'm getting myself into trouble here. But like, I can see the depth. Of, I, I, I honestly, I can, I, I, I'm Sean Gavin on the flute. There's, I, I, I can see Harry Bradley. I, I can see the depth of research that has gone into, 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 that, into that music. Oh, yeah. And I, you're, you're talking really deep, really, really deep research, you know, and people who totally and utterly get the tradition. So I, I'd have no fear for fear. Yeah, and do no you fear think, do you think just before we move on about the course and everything, but do yeah. you think that for somebody entering the, the traditional music world that they have to start out at a young age? Because it seems to me it's, it's so culturally deep and there's so much to learn about it. Um, great question. No is the answer. Um, I, I have, I've taught many adults um, before I was teaching by I, I always had an adult flute class in, in, in the Pibrillum. Um, and I've taught many people who came, you know, as adults and just discovered, they might have come in through set dancing, actually. There was a huge burst in popularity in set dancing in the 1980s and people discovered traditional music that way. And some of them are still playing and 
find players, you know, yes. and like, and you know, it's you you can learn the tradition. You have to you have to immerse yourself in it, and you have to be humble enough to 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 take a step back and you know find your place in it. Yeah, go through the process. Yeah. Now, yeah. just to make a clarification here, some people listening to this podcast may not be aware about the difference of the Irish flute to the concert flute. Can you sure. just kind of draw yeah. a distinction there? Yeah, well, the, the flutes that we play are wooden flutes. Um, they, they will be based on the, on the 19th century flutes that were, that were pre-bone flutes. The, like the, the bone flute was a development on our So they'd be simple, simple system flutes. Um, the, they've been modified to suit Irish traditional music, modified slightly. Um, we're looking for, whereas the 19th century classical flute would like to, to, the ability to play the third octave would, would, would have been, you know, would have been very important. Whereas that isn't important in Irish traditional music. Um, like there's very, very few tunes, a handful of tunes that go up to the third octave. Um, but what 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 is important is strength in the bottom register, especially like from FED. So flutes have been modified. The, the, the pitch has changed over the years and um, concert pitch isn't as sharp as it was so like the tuning of of, of the instruments has changed and um, so like there's there's a strong case to be made that there is a modern irish flute which is a development on the old um on the old flutes of the 19th century but like them them flutes them flutes are still the older flutes by by the, by the great makers um are, are still are still sought after like so like you're talking about flutes made in the 1800s um by the likes of Ruddle and Rose or Ruddle and Carter or Nicholson and um, Pratton, they'd be yeah. very highly sought after. And for someone who wants to just get a listen to good traditional Irish music, you mentioned before Clada Studios that you recorded with, I believe. Clada Records, yeah. Clada yeah. Records, sorry. Yeah. So are they still in existence or like what should they, they, they were they were they were sold? Um we all we saw on Facebook that, that we were we were basically sold down the river uh, to some new entity. Um, I think Universal Studios have bought us. Um, so there's 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 a bit of angst about that at the, at the moment. Um, yeah. So, but they're still they're still in action, and they, they've they've won for back back catalogue, um, as does Gwailin. Um, um, that's it's another whole thing for another discussion. But there, all that music is now available on Spotify, and so I mean, like, so you can access so much music now. Um, okay, so if somebody was just trying to research the real, authentic Irish music that you speak yeah. about, you'd be looking for music by Clada Records or Graylin. Well, they're they're two they were two they're very two good ones to begin. And, yeah, yep. and absolutely, yeah, certainly are. Um, but I mean, if if I I would say a one stop shop would have to be the Irish traditional music archive. Okay. And 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 have have a browse around. And mm -hmm. there's, and like, there's, you can also walk in, you don't have to book, you like the beautiful, beautiful um, facility in Marion Square, and you can just walk in and, and it's a beautiful way to spend an afternoon. And like, and there's, there's, a, there's a staff there who, you know, you just tell them what, what your interest in is, and, and they'll help you find it, you know, so fantastic, it's a great fantastic. Yeah. So anyone that wants to really dig deep into the sound, and even yeah. to refine their own sound as well, that's the place to yeah. go to. Yeah. Very good. I, now, yeah. Um, and another thing, you, you can't beat meeting, meeting the musicians. And like, literally, you, you, you could, I know COVID has everybody snookered, but hopefully next year we'll be back. But literally, you, you could start in uh, the beginning of July and go from one week to the next to wonderful summer schools. 
where really top class musicians will be teaching and playing in the evening. And, and like people are extremely accessible, you know, like so if 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 you, if you wanted to to meet the people and meet the real tradition, it's, it's very easily done. I think, to be honest, for, for a parent wondering about which route to take with music or how do they navigate all this information that's out there? How do we tie it down and make it an easy yeah. process? I've often said to people like in the summertime is the greatest opportunity to go to the West Cork Chamber Festival and yeah. listen to people in real time or yeah. go to the Willie Clancy School, which I know of yeah. in there yeah. and just listen to the instruments and talk to the buskers on the side of the street about their instruments even. Yeah. Yeah. You know, go to a failure to actually hear because there's nothing like hearing the sound in real time as opposed yeah. to a recording. It's completely different. It's yeah, completely totally. different. There's an energy yeah. there that you just can't explain. Yeah. It's just that spirit, you know, contained in the music itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it is. I think that's what, what gives people the, the, the deep rooted love of the music and the, and, and the, you know, the whole attachment and it does, does, I suppose the gras is the idea Irish word for it. Yeah, it's better the love, the yeah, love for the it. Love yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, um, just before we move into talking about the course, now, yeah. well, I suppose this is part of your description of the course, and I'm talking about performance. Some of some of the yeah. notable performers, like one of the very first performances are performers I always refer to when I'm trying to tell a student about performing is Sharon Shannon. She's yeah. one of those people that she just lights up the stage she engages with the audience she engages with the people around her on stage she just takes it all in and you feel part of it yeah, now absolutely. in the course in Ballyfermot do you tutor people on how to perform the skills that they need can you tell us more about the course that you're coordinating yeah we're 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 we're, we're an Irish tradition music performance course so like when we, when we when we started off first that's what we were, purely Irish traditional music performance course. And our, our remit was to help people develop as traditional music performers and take them to, to the, the award is a, is a higher, uh, higher national diploma um, in Irish traditional music performance. So that was, that was what we were doing. And yeah, the whole, like, we've, you know, like we, we, we've, we've a couple of recording studios. We, we've, got a, we've got a lovely big venue. Uh, that turns into a, into a concert hall and, and also a recording studio and also a film studio. So a very impressive venue. But the most um, the most important and the most useful piece of equipment is I have a tiny stage in the corner of the classroom. Um, tiny, it's it's one foot up off the floor. And like we sit around in, in a semicircle playing music. And then I might suddenly say, Sylvia, hop up and play us them two tunes from the stage. And the difference of, of one foot up there is 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 immense, and like I mean, like we we like we 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 laugh at ourselves because I mean, like playing it down here, and then suddenly when you when you get one foot above the rest of your peers, it's a it's a different thing. Different and, ball game. Yeah, oh, it's a different ball game. Different. And like we 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 um we work we work on that a lot, and so like it wouldn't generally be as casual as that. Um, it, you like, but we we do do it. Um, and do you but, go into core like do you choreograph? how somebody goes onto the stage, how they interact with the audience, how they interact on stage with their other people on stage. Do you choreograph all that? Do you go into that depth? The depth we went to would be that. Um, actually, it's, it's one of the years ago, and I, and I was touring, 
out of no, and like I was bulletproof. I was, you know, I was, I was a very seasoned musician and, and you know, very confident, very happy to turn in front in front of a beautiful audience of people in Sebastopol in in, in um, Southern California or Northern California. I suddenly got an incredibly bad panic attack that really? left me absolutely devastated, and it came from nowhere. I thought, and and it took me years to recover from it. But when I, when I analysed it, it didn't come from nowhere. It had been building up, and I and I had ignored all of the all of the warning signs. So I I am very aware of the dangers of poor preparation that can have on a, on a performance and psychologically on a, on a musician. So, like an awful lot of our work is preparing people psychologically for performance and providing them with with the, with the tools and techniques to make sure that, you know, to avoid it because it's so much easier to avoid an episode like that than it is to, to fix it. Yes, so, I completely agree. Yeah, so so that, that, like, that's where the stage is so important. So, so what we do is we would, be, before you would, you would play on the stage, you, you would have your tunes picked, you'd, you'd, you'd run them by, you, you, by, by your tutor, you'd have recorded them at home, you, you'd have sent them to the tutor, they would have been critiqued. Um, we we talk about it. Um, you would like our, our our big thing would be to control the controllables. So like how how you breathe before you go on stage, what you what you, what the clothes you wear on the day that you're going to do your performance, how you how you introduce every every tune, how how you react after every day. That's all, and we video we video absolutely everything, and then the students look at look at their performances themselves, and then they discuss it with with, with the teaching team, and. So we, we, we take the performance end of it very, very seriously. I often think that when you're performing, you're taking a part of your soul and you're putting it out there. Absolutely. And yeah. I think of all the social scientists that have spoken about this, Brené Brown, I've mentioned her before in this podcast, Brené Brown talks about, you know, that this idea of courage and vulnerability being strongly linked and how sure. that one needs the other, the other needs the one, meaning that it takes courage to be vulnerable and that vulnerability in a sense has to be protected somewhat in the in the yeah. sense when you're performing music and you've to again you yeah. have the tools i suppose yeah and and and, and there are there are plenty of techniques and tools that you can learn and i mean and it, it, there, you have to take a whole holistic approach to it that it has to be your lifestyle as well you know you can't be leading a chaotic lifestyle and expect to be able to walk on stage and perform you know you know so like so in a previous call with you before this interview you mentioned that you tutor artists a number of different skills and the two that I thought were really interesting for me anyway is instrument making is another aspect of the course but also yep. management skills can you talk more about yep. that sure um so it, it all kind of happened organically and um, that the, we started off it was higher national diploma and Irish tradition performance one of the big areas that musicians fall down on is management and so like it's you know it's 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 a core skill is for it's a core skill for musicians. So the college offers a BA in 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 media production management. So like we developed a pathway for our students and by by taking some some management units onto onto our performance course, we developed a pathway for our students to access that that program. So that's been that's been going for a number of years now. So when, when our students have the option. Having having done the two years developing their music and, and as performers, 
to go on and do a final year, which, which take, takes them to an honours BA in media production management, which is validated by DCU. So that that they, they then leave with, with, with an extra very strong skill um, string to their bow. And that's and important management. In the last three months, yeah. No, it really is. Yeah, it's, you know, like, and, and to be able to, to, be able to, to, to if, you can take, if you can take a step back and, to, and take a strategic approach to, to yourself and your career as a musician. And I know what I always found extremely difficult was if you, if you are managing yourself or an act, it's, it's so personal. It is, is incredibly different. Like, like I always found it incredibly difficult to promote myself because, you know, it, it's too personal, you know. So there, like, there, there, there are key skills that I didn't have that I needed to have. And, you know, and maybe, maybe the skill of, of, of delegation and knowing when to step back would, yes. would have been one of them. So, yes. You know, yeah, completely. And, I, I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. I so really like, I, I think the whole management thing is very important. So it also means that, and, and again, I've seen this through my own experience and, and, and through many of my friends. There comes a time in, in, in a musician's career where like, it might have been going brilliantly or might still be going great, but there's time when I don't really want to do this anymore. Or this is this is not suiting my, my lifestyle. It's not I'm not finding it healthy. I want I want to change. So this way, this our, our students, they 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 have an honors BA, which which is easy. You know, it's it, it there, there's a direct route to a master's then if if you want, um, in a, in a number of areas, and some some of them would also find work as arts administrators then as well because it's 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 in the in the, in the same area. So, yeah, it's applicable. Yeah. And yeah. then tell me, where does the instrument making come in then in that whole course that you're coordinating? How can you just explain about that and yeah. what the success the, the, is being with it? The instrument making has been something I've been very passionate about for, for a long time. Um, I, again, have an experience that I know how difficult it is to make a living as, as a professional musician in traditional music. It's, it's, it's a small market, you know, and, and like it's a small market that actually at the moment, I think there are too many people in there competing for the, for, 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 for the same market. And I, I, think, I think it's incredibly difficult. There, there was a very, uh, very revealing um, report done by Jack Talty on, on, on traditional music and for professional players. And like, I mean, some of it was very, very stark and very honest and, and very well researched. So my, my whole thing was that, okay, so we have graduates I want to make sure that there is a sustainable way for our graduates to have a career. And I've always felt that the combination of being a performer and, and, a, and a maker is, is of great benefit because you are, in a sense, you're, you're your own shop window. If, if, if you're playing an instrument that you've made, you know, people like people here and that they, so like you're, you're advertising, you're, adver you're advertising your own instruments as, as you play it. And also, the better you are as a player, the deeper your understanding of the tonal qualities that the instrument should have, and that should inform your making as well. You have the opportunity then of really refining the sound as well, is yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like you, like I, I, I make flutes as a hobby, and I, I know exactly how good or bad they are. You know, 
and you know, like, and like, I can hear like when there's a problem with a flu, I can hear straight away what it is, you know. And, and then so you I mean, can just go away and fix it, and you don't have to go. Well, you can do your, you can, you can do your best to go away and fix it, and then if if, if it's not happening for you, 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 you can call help. an expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. They're beautiful yeah. flute. The Irish flute is a beautiful instrument. Like I they're actually would prefer yeah. the Irish flute now to the concert flute. That's my own thing, but. That, that would be my problem. I'm, I'm biased, so I won't go there. <laughs> so, with regards to the whole idea of instrument making, I believe that there's a shortage of instrument makers. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it is. So, is, that, is this opening up a whole new career path for, for musicians yeah. wondering what they can do with their skill then? Yeah. I, I like when, 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 I, when I had this notion about the instrument making and the course, there's a wonderful organization called the Pibrielan, who um who basically were founded because the, the Irish Dillon pipes were in severe danger of dying out. Um, there was only a handful of makers, and I think I think somewhere in the region of a hundred known pipers playing when, 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 they, when they were founded. And literally, you're talking about four or five makers to service the community of, 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 of somewhere in the region of a hundred pipers. And that was back in the 1960s. And so now they, they have many thousands of members worldwide, but they were having trouble sourcing instruments for the, for the membership. Um, so they, they set up this amazing training facility out in Clonshock um, called Pipecraft, Clonshock in Dublin, where, where they were training Ilan Pipers how to become pipe makers. And so when I had the idea of trying to tie instrument making into the Kyoldor course, I approached the BB Ilan and we ran a pilot program together, which was successful. And then it's it's grown and it's it's grown into a full partnership now between Ballyfermot College of Further Education and the Pibrielan. So the Pibrielan deliver all our instrument making training out in their in their pipe craft facility. So um, so obviously pipe beautiful. Oh, they're they're oh, fabulous oh. instruments. And like the, the amount of work, the amount of work that goes into making little pipes, and the amount of craftsmanship that goes into like their. So, like we started off doing pipes and flutes and whistles and uh, and we, we've now moved on to include uh, the harp and uh, we're going to be including the mandolin uh, this year as well so um, so it's been great we, 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 we got to hear yeah so really what you're saying is when you look at the whole course that you have in Ballyfermot firstly if, if a musician was trying to figure out a path firstly they're going to get help with performance the yeah. mental side of that, which is so important to protect their vulnerability. Secondly, they're getting their management skills sorted out because it's well known sometimes, unfortunately, that us artists can be bad managers. Yeah. Some personality Absolutely. tests will tell you that. Yeah, yeah. And, then, <laughs> yeah. and then thirdly, then you have this new opportunity of instrument making, a, yeah. you know, a set of different instruments you can choose from. Yeah. So with all that told, as a student coming out the other side of the course, yeah. They've basically got the full package and they can apply then their skills in different forms of art if that comes on their yeah. pathway. Yeah. Absolutely. And they can travel and they can travel with their skill, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But and like just to go back to the question that you asked me uh, about is there a market for these instruments? Like Nepibulan have an outreach program through um music generation, um, where 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 there's there's there's, there's classes being taught in various centers around the country. And their main problem is to keep up. They have, they have this great initiative called Pipes, Pipes and is it Pipes and Loan, um, where like you know, so a, a learner can rent out a set of villain pipes for you know, and 
and tried them out for a while, for a year. And they can't keep up with the demand for the instruments. So like they, they, they need they need to train makers. Yeah, so they're so, under pressure to get makers in the door, basically. Absolutely. There's I, I know as a flute as a, as, as a flute player, an awful lot of flute players in Ireland are playing flutes that are made as far as far afield as, as, as Australia and New Zealand. You know, there's so like there is so then what happens is my flute needs to be repaired, it needs to be maintained. I I bought it in Australia. The Irish flute makers are completely and utterly inundated servicing their own flutes that they've made. That so it, there's, there's just like there's a gap like to try and get yeah to try and get a flute uh, a repair job done the flute in the Dublin area now is next to impossible. It is really really difficult. I mean, and the amount of flute players in Dublin is 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 huge. So like there's there's a massive demand for it. There, there really is. The same uh, same applies with harps. And with harps as well, the Celtic harp. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with that said, so you're saying that there's an industry here waiting for people to enter it in Ireland. Yeah. yeah. And then possibly export their instruments, we'll say, to America, because there's a, you know, I'm I always think of America, I have family over there. It's the first thing that comes to my head. Yeah. yeah. You know, places like America, Canada, where Celtic music is big, um, yeah. France even. Um yeah. yeah? That's yeah. really there, but I mean, yeah, you certainly export there. Mm-hmm. But there's a huge Irish market to be serviced. There's a massive Irish market to be serviced. Um, so are you finding that even at, at primary school level that people are really interested now in taking on music as a subject and all of that and, and bringing it along? Is it, Do you see growth in that? And that's where the, the sustainability is coming from? I, I, I know from the experience of... of it's, I, I, I did teach music in primary schools for, 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 for many years. Um, I haven't uh, for the last good number of years because I've been full-time at Ferma College. But I know, I know from my students that, yeah, there's, there's a huge demand all over the country. And, um, you know, like the, the tin whistle is, is, a, is a beautiful, simple instrument to start with, yet it can be so complex and in-depth. If you hear, if you hear you know, one of the greats like Mary Bergen, Sean Ryan, Sean Potts, it's, it's, it's a complex, beautiful instrument. So, and yet it's a beautiful gateway for, for, for children in. And there's, there's an awful lot of musicians would be teaching it in, in a number of schools around the locality and like there's it's, it's just and like you, you'd also have to like and I haven't mentioned them up to now but you'd also have to credit um, the likes of cultists like there's there's cultists branch in every there is in, in, in every community there and is like they're providing classes and and you know and through competitions there's social elements as well and so I mean there, there's just in my experience is what I've seen there there's a lot of music being taught where the person is at home isolated. I look to yeah. my own classical background. I was very much isolated, rule bound, all that. And that has served me well. However, the community element is what I love about traditional music and this whole idea yeah. of connection, because now more than ever with COVID, with technology, all of these things, community is so badly needed. Maybe yeah. in Dublin City, because you're in a city, it's a bit different. But I know down here in rural Ireland, community is so needed. It's so, so yeah. needed. And not everybody, as I said, is into sport. They need other outlets and forms yeah. of engagement. So, yeah, so you, you're what you're saying really today is that there is a huge opportunity with music instrument making. Yeah. And you're looking at the Celtic harp, mandolin, mandolin, sorry, the yeah. illan pipes and... Yeah. 
flute, and the flute, and the flute. So you're talking of four instruments right there. Then you're talking of the management end of it being sorted out and the performance end of it being sorted out. That's an amazing course. That's an amazing course. Well, we're, we're, well, like to move, thanks very much. We're, we're, we're delighted. Now, honestly, I like, but I, I think it, it provides a great opportunity for Irish traditional musicians. The, 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 what, the exciting development this year is that we've moved to a traineeship. So we're, we're, we're keeping the academic qualifications, we're keeping the same pathway to the degree, but it's now moved to a traineeship, which means that for anybody who is on any form of state benefit, um, including job seekers allowance, they can sign up to do this course. Um, your fee, there will be no course fees, and and you keep you retain your benefit for 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 the full two years. So, say if say yeah. So so say if you're a musician who wants to make an album, and you have to you have this idea for an album. Well, here here's a, here's a route that is fully funded for you to develop as a musician, make your album. Yeah, with with with, with the whole support. Of, 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 of the college team and then the, yeah there's, there's all there's all the rest of it that's tied in there's the management what's the application process like the application process is if, if just go to the college website which is www.bcfe.ie um, and on the, on the front page of the website there's there's apply now a big banner and you, you click on that and, and you, you scroll down and you'll you'll find our course and you apply and then I'll be in touch shortly afterwards to invite you for an, an interview, which is also an audition. Um, we ask people to, to play two pieces of music. We're not looking for people at, at professional standard. Um, it's Sometimes we do have people who are of professional standard. Um, in fact, every year we would have some people who are, but we're, we're not looking for, for people for a, a professional standard. It's, we're there to help people develop as musicians. Yeah, and to just basically pass on the baton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Listen, Paul, yeah. it's an absolute pleasure to have you on today. That's yeah, great. Lovely, lovely chat to you, Sylvia. Thanks for having and, me. I mean, it's great to see that there is potential there for musicians that many don't know about. Because until I heard your interview with the RTE radio program I listened to on the way home from Kerry one evening, right. I wasn't aware that the course existed. So I'm delighted that we've had this time today just to expose it a little bit more to the musical public. Well, listen, thank, thanks a million, Sylvia. Pleasure chatting to you.